1: Can the Bucs make a run at the top of the conference? What happens to the Celtics without Hayward? Have the Warriors ruined the NBA? And the question left is, say it with me, you win? Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. I am pleased to bring on the show today, Tim Bontemps, who is a national NBA writer for the Washington Post and has been around uh, for a long time covering uh, the ins and outs of the NBA. So, Tim, uh, I can't wait to get up and uh, start talking about uh, some some NBA stuff with you.
0: Hey, man, I'm really happy to be on with you, Nick, and uh, you've obviously been uh, killing it with the... uh... You know, with the breakdowns for a while now, so I, I'm I'm thrilled to be on the pod, and uh, thanks for having me.
1: Hey, my pleasure. I mean, listen, I, 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 there's nothing like toiling away by yourself in a room uh, for hours and hours, <laughs> steering a footage, right? So, listen,
0: I give you, I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, we've only met once or twice in person, so I'm I haven't really said this to you, but I give you a ton of credit for the work you do. For just that reason, it's really hard. Like, it is hard to sit by yourself and grind through videos and like explainers and, and do that kind of stuff. So I give you a lot of credit. And part of the, part of the reason I enjoy this job so much is that I'm not by myself a lot. I mean, obviously writing, you know, the, the the art of the, you know, the art of actually writing the stories that I write, it can be, you know, you're sitting in a room by yourself and you got to grind through it. But a lot of my job is, you know, essentially just talking to people, and mm-hmm. talking to people about basketball which i really enjoy you you know obviously you're doing that too but a lot of the stuff <laughs> that you're doing is a lot of and but it's a lot of individual on the computer you know on the video Walking people through stuff and it, that's that's tough to do. So I give you a lot of credit oh, for for sure. doing that.
1: Thank you, thank you. I mean, for sure, it's people always ask me, "Wow, like you must be going all the games." And it's like, you know what? I much prefer right. to be in my studio where I can jump back ten seconds and look at the play right away. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but like I've done interviews pre-game and they're like way too intense. No one wants to do them. They're all like psyched for the game, and then after the game, all they want to do is get the hell out of there. So I don't know, like, I, I much prefer, like, maybe the shoot-arounds where they're a m- lot more, like, you know, relaxed,
0: you can get some better stuff. Would, would, you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, it depends, right, on what on what part of the job I'm doing. Like, obviously, for your stuff, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's hard. It's always going to be very hard to get kind of into intricate, uh, detailed stuff at a a pre or post game session, unless you're asking about a specific play that happened in a game. You want a guy to talk about mm-hmm. um, just because like you said, the, the setting is different. Um, like obviously on Tuesday, if I'm at like when I was at Cavs, Celtics, you're writing about, the, you know, everything that's going on with Kyrie that night, at least before the Gordon Hayward injury, you you know, obviously your goals are a little different, but, um, but yeah, like, you know, I'm in Milwaukee today. I talked to Giannis who's had a cool ball practice and we're going to talk about that later. And like, yeah, if you, if you get a guy, in a, on a practice day or at a shoot around and you get some time with them, everybody is a lot more relaxed because you're not thinking necessarily about the game right then. You kind of just get a workout in, you're hanging out. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, if you, if you want some extra time with somebody to try to get into some, you know, in-depth topics of any kind, if you can get, you know, that shoot around access or a practice access, it gives you a chance to really, you know, get a chance to kind of talk to somebody in a more relaxed setting than you would if they're, thinking about getting ready for a game, or they're they're either coming off of winning a game or losing one.
1: For sure. Well, you know, speaking of that, it's a good segue to talk a little bit about Giannis, because certainly I, I don't know if I was in, on an island, but I know I got some strange looks uh, across Twitter <laughs> when I was saying that the Bucks could be third in the conference. Why not jump over perhaps Toronto or Washington and take that spot? And so you're hanging around there today. Uh, what's the feeling out there? What do you think about that? Is that crazy?
0: I would have said the most good finish I had the Celtics. I, I even before the Gordon Hayward injury, I was skeptical that the Celtics are going to put things together fast enough to be a top three seed in the East. I mean, you know, you you know as well as anybody uh, from being a coach, it takes a while to bit, to put a bunch of new pieces mm-hmm. together. And I think people had underrated um, a just how much the Celtics had turned over their roster. I mean, they had four new starters this year. They had, I think, nine or ten or, or maybe eleven new players on there. I mean, they just had a ton of, ton of new p- pieces to fit in, and um, they, on top of that, they also really thinned out their roster. I mean, they, they were going to come into the season line on a nineteen-year-old and Jason Tate, a twenty-year-old and David Brown. Um, they were going to need guys like Sammy Ojeley to give them some minutes. Uh, the, you know, they, maybe Daniel Tights was going to have to play some because they really only have Aaron Baines and uh, and Al Horford as true bigs. Um, they're going to need Terry Rogier to give them big minutes as a backup point guard, uh, and that's before Kyrie potentially misses any time, like he probably will. Um, so you you start to add that stuff together. I thought they were going to take a step back, but to get back to your question about the Bucks, uh, look, I, the Bucks have some issues, but they've got Giannis, and I think anybody that uh, wants to go all in on Giannis is making a smart bet. I mean, as a six eleven guy with you know, hands as big as my torso, I think. I mean, he, he just makes – he can make plays and do things athletically that really only LeBron can do. Um, and he, he, in a way, only really like LeBron can he kind of impact the game in every single facet. Even a guy like Kevin Durant, for as good as Durant is, he doesn't have the same kind of, like, explosive ability to destroy a game the way Giannis can and I mean, you saw that last night. We're talking Thursday. You saw that Wednesday in the game in Boston. I mean, 37 and 13. And even when I thought of him today, he was like, "Yeah, I could have played better. I made a couple mistakes. I could have been smarter here and there." And um, you know, the guy, 37 and 13. I think in three, three and three. I mean, it, you know, he just, he, just he, he can put up numbers that nobody else can. So, so yeah, I think that I think that the uh, I think that the Bucks can certainly be in the mix. For the third seed, I think now with Boston to be out of the picture for a top four seed, uh, I think Washington's pr- the pretty clear favorite to be number two, but I think that, to me, if you have to pick a team out of the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, the, the Pistons and the Heat, maybe even the Hornets and Sixers, I mean, to me, I think, if you want to say Giannis is going to carry these guys to high 40s, low 50s and get them that third seed, I certainly mm-hmm. think that's a good bet to me.
1: Yeah. Now here's the thing, though. I think that people are are writing off the Celtics. I know they're 0 2 now, and they have to reel. Uh, they're reeling about with that the loss of Hayward. But I don't know. I gotta tell you, when you watch these young guys, you know they're good and they're going to be better. I mean, you know, Jalen Brown to me yeah. is already a guy who is going to be ready to, to to step up, and Tatum looks like he's got. You know, he, he just needs about 20 games under his belt. So you know what I mean. I almost feel like they still have enough pieces to really do some damage.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not trying to say that the Celtics are going to win 25 games off Gordon Haywood is hurt, but I, and I do think that Tatum and Brown are going to be good, but as you know, trying to have 19 and 20 year olds be part of winning basketball in the NBA is really hard. And those guys are probably gonna have rough stretches this season. Um, Kyrie is almost certainly going to miss some time. Because he always does. I don't think he's ever played more than 75 games in a season. Uh, I, you know, I think if he, I think he'll, you know, and, and look, if he's playing 39 or 40 minutes every game and he's played that back-to-back nights, that's not going to end well. Like, he he probably shouldn't be playing more than 32, 33 minutes, in my opinion, with the amount of injuries he's had in the past already. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I just think that their margin for error is very slim. Like, if you told me that Kyrie is playing 80 games and Horford is playing 80 games and – Brown and Tatum play like this all season, then, yeah, they could maybe hang around that three, four, five area. But I just think it's more likely that some of those young guys have periods of regression and Kyrie misses 10 or 15 games and they probably settle in more as like a six seed or wow. a seed. Okay. Um, well, I just think, I mean, just if you just look at their roster, they're just not very deep. Yeah. And, like, if you take away – I mean – if, like I think most people agreed that the 55 win projection for them in the over under was pretty aggressive, right? Oh, you so, mean wait like, with
1: with Hayward though.
0: No, no. Well, with him, I think I think 40. I think people thought, you know, if you're a 48 win team last year and you add Kyrie and Hayward, I thought 55 was aggressive. But let's say they let's say they're a true 53 to 55 win team. Okay. I think Gordon Hayward's an eight to ten win player. So that drops you from there to 40 – to like 45 wins. Yeah. And if, you, if you're if you a 45-win team, you're probably a 5 or 6 or 7 seed, I would say.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. You know That's – you, know, you know, I'm much more the, in the irrationally exuberant part of my season, so I, I can see <laughs> what you mean. Uh, that's true. I mean, you know, we'll have to find out, I, I suppose. I also was
0: down – I also was down more at Boston, I think, than most people were to begin with. So. Right. I mean, I, I think that also should be factored in. But, I, I, look, I just think Gordon Hayward, I thought, was their best player. I mean, I think he's a better player than Kyrie Irving. So, if you lose your best player uh, and you're, you're a team that didn't have a ton of depth as it was, it's just hard to come back from that. So, and they have a terrific coach in Brad Stevens. He'll get the most out of that roster. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna. I thought it was going to take them a while to gel just to fit all these new pieces in. But now, like you, I mean, you've got Abdel Nader playing right off the bench. Uh, last night you got Daniel Tyson semi-Ojole playing big minutes. Like they, they just have a lot of work to do to figure out what the rotation's even gonna look like now. Because this, you know, it's like you spend all the last four months, you know, kind of planning, okay, we're gonna have this team built around Gordon. And then you get uh, then you get Kyrie, it's like, okay, we've got two months to figure out how we're gonna play Kyrie and Gordon together and make this work. And mm-hmm. then five minutes into the season, every plan you had gets thrown out the window. And that's just really hard come back from and it it's uh and it's tough too because as you know once you get into the nba season even when you have a young team like they do you're not practicing that much mm-hmm. you're playing generally every other day you know you can get some work in on the off days but it's hard so you know it's just it's, it's going to be a lot for them to deal with so i still think they're going to be good uh i think they'll probably make the playoffs you know assuming everybody's healthy they will make the playoffs and they could be a real tough out for somebody in the first round but I just think there's going to be some some real growing pains for them, both with those young guys and and trying to figure out what they actually are now that they don't have uh, now that they don't have Gordon anymore.
1: Okay, fair. That, that uh, all great points, and uh, you know, well, I'll definitely have to pump my brakes a little bit because uh, yeah, I, I feel like you're right. There are versions of the Matrix where they do get it to work, and Baines works out really nicely, and Rozier makes a nice stride or two, and then Brown is continues to do well, getting his. You know, yep. 17, 18 points. Yep. Uh, but you're right; it's a, it is a fine line, and I think Tatum ends up being the guy who becomes really important. And then if Morris can come back uh, and give them what they hope he can give them, you know, right, right. he'll help a lot. Yeah. So there's there's things there, and again, like what you said about Stevens. I mean, I, it can't be said enough just what he 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 gets absolutely the most out of at oh. his teams. It's crazy.
0: He's in fact, good, He's such a good coach. Yeah. He's such a good coach. I mean, I remember I covered him in the NCAA tournament in 2011, the year after Gordon left, when they went back to the Final Four. And I covered their, their, their regional in Washington, the first two games. I was working at the New York Post then, but the, the regional was in D.C. And they won, they won two games there, beat the, the number one seeded uh, uh, Pitt Panthers that year. And they, you could just see then, like he just, every time they had an out-of-time out play, he would get a layup for his team or a wide-open three. Like, every single time, they either got a layup or a wide-open shot. And for any fans who are wondering, like, if a coach is good, whether it's in college or the NBA, just that is, to me, the best way to kind of judge how good a coach is in game. It's just watch and see what they do in out-of-timeout situations. Because the good coaches get guys in good positions out of timeouts. You look at any team, those are the situations that that really allow guys to stand out. Because it's like, all right, I got to draw something up on the fly and figure out a play that's going to work, that we can get a bucket here. And the teams that can do that, like those are the plays that can make, you know, can really determine whether you win or lose a game. On the end of a, you know, the final few minutes of a game, you need them to get a bucket if you can get one or not. That could be the difference between winning and losing. So I think Brad's a terrific coach. Um, And look, I I agree too that to me, Brown and Tatum are the swing guys. If those guys are immediately legit and Jalen Brown becomes a most improved candidate and Jason Tatum is an arguable, Rookie of the Year candidate, and they're really, really good, then, yeah, I could look wrong, and maybe they win the high 40s and still get a top-four seed. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of being – I'm just being more conservative on it and thinking that they're probably going to take some time. But, mm-hmm. um, but look, if Gordon can go back healthy, you know, obviously you never want him to get hurt, and hopefully he is coming back and be totally fine. But it could be a blessing in disguise long-term for the Celtics if, if he is able to come back and be okay, because if you give Tatum and Brown just – free reign here for the next six months Mm -hmm. you know it's going to be pretty good for their development and long term you could end up you know looking at a team that's much deeper than maybe it would have been if they had Gordon out there being you know the the all-star he was going to be this season
1: for sure, for sure, and you know I, I'm always stressing the coaches about the out of bounds plays, or sorry, out of timeout plays and out of bounds plays because usually in a season, uh, at probably every level, they spend you know a couple minutes. oh, here's a couple plays you want to run. They don't really focus on it when in fact you can right. generate, you can get eight eight points a game out of that if you run them right, and that's the difference between winning and losing. And the thing oh, that's, that that's interesting about this is that you know the the play that Hayward got hurt was an out of timeout play. That Stevens drew up another beauty, beauty of a play. I don't mean that. Unfortunately, that gets lost. Where they set a screen, a cross screen with Horford for uh, Hayward, it gets uh, uh, Crowder completely out of position, and he backdoors. And that was definitely the call. Like you know, fake that way and cut backdoor. Now yep. the interesting thing is, is that the only other guy in the court that was smart enough to be able to read that is LeBron <laughs> right. James. Right. And I would argue that, like, if, if he hadn't done that, like, you know, Hayward isn't hurt because that was sort of the end of the collision there that that, that LeBron has up on top to him that got him so out of position to fall. And, um, oh, that, right. You know what I mean? It's almost like it was kind of crazy. Oh, like, absolutely. Most absolutely. other players – If they're, players, playing, if they're yeah.
0: playing any if they're playing any other team in the league, to your point, if they're playing any other team in the league maybe, except for maybe Golden State with a guy like Draymond Green out exactly. there. Exactly. Like, virtually any other team in the league – that's a dunk. Right. And, like, nobody even sees it coming. But Lebr- LeBron is so preternatural on the court that he sniffed it out and went up and, and tipped it away. And, and, obviously, like you said, you know, not like LeBron did anything wrong. It just was tragically unfortunate that they, you know, kind of bumped into each other a little bit. And probably if Gordon falls down there a million times, probably every happen. single other time he just pops up and runs down the court. But it just – he yeah. just happened to get caught in the wrong spot, but yeah, like you're right. If they're playing any other team, that's just a dunk. And, yeah. you know, obviously I, I, Gordon's I, fine, and there's not even a thought
1: about it. Right, except for Draymond. Yeah, you're exactly. right. The two players in the league that could actually see that and then and then actually have the ability to make the play because LeBron's man was setting yes. the pin down on the other side of the on the left side of the floor. You know, and that and that was the strong side. Like that's the side where you're like, I gotta, I'm, I gotta save my man. He's right there. So right, you know, right. It, it really was too bad. And, and again, it's just sort of like. You know, sometimes these things just happen and they're so freak uh, and and it's too bad. But as I was breaking this stuff down, you start to see more and more of like, oh, you know, if he just wasn't so good at reading that, you know, or something. (laughs) Yeah, Um,
0: you are 100% right. It is is incredible that, you know, uh, that, you know, for a guy, for all the things that people talk about LeBron, that's not one they talk about enough. Mm -hmm. It's just how unbelievably smart he is on a basketball court and often too, when you see how he conducts himself. But, um, but it just like his ability to see stuff as it happens and that, you know, to, to circle back to Giannis, that's a thing that's to me, like you see him growing in that kind of way every year too. And you just, it just, it's going to be so much fun to watch him for the next decade or so. Cause I mean, people forget the guy is 22 years old. He's going to yeah. be 23 in December. Like it. You know, it's just – it's unbelievable how young and good this guy is. And the, to me, it's just uh, – the sky is the absolute limit for him. So it's its going to be very fun to watch him grow.
1: Absolutely. Now, let me ask you this. You were in Detroit before you were in Milwaukee, right?
0: Yeah, I was in Detroit for uh, Pistons Hornets for their opener last night before driving out here.
1: Uh-huh. So um, so my question is, is, you know, when an owner comes out to the press and tells them that his coach – uh is is in? Uh, he has faith in his coach. When does the coach get fired? Are we on like a? Is this a, a, a timeline <laughs> here? Right? Isn't uh, that how it happens?
0: Is this, about happens? Tom, is, this about, is this about Tom Gore saying that about Stan?
1: Yeah. I mean, did you hear him say it? Were you there when he said that?
0: I was. I was not actually in the press conference when he said it. I mean, I, I think the situation there is a little different than normal. Um, in that, uh, I think. Uh, I, I think the Pistons are fascinating. I, I wrote about them uh, I wrote about them today, and I, I just think they're in a really interesting position. Two years ago, they went 44 games. They look like an up-and-coming team in the league and in the East. Yeah, Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson, nice pick-and-roll combo. They, they, they steal Tobias Harris from the Magic. Uh, they draft Stanley Johnson, who's an interesting combo fork, can play defense and, and handle the ball. Like, there's a lot of stuff to be intrigued by, right? Mm-hmm. Then last year, they take a step back. Reggie Jackson has uh, some knee issues early in training camp. He misses two months. He comes back. He's a mess. There's infighting in the team. There's team meetings. Uh, him and Andre Drummond never get on the same page. They both don't look like themselves all season. Um, you know, there's just a series of uh, series of internal issues. Uh, you know, they win 37 games. They miss the playoffs. Things are going to hell. What are we going to do? Um, you know, if they had gone, if that had happened in reverse. If they'd won 37 games and then 44, so it stands first year, three years, they go 32, 37, 44. People are thinking, hey, the Pistons are looking great. Instead, they go 32, 44, 37. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, well, where is the team going? So, you know, and then they, they, they make the swap. They don't re sign Catavius uh, Caldwell Pope. They trade for Avery Bradley. I mean, they're just in a really interesting position to me because. You know, everybody in Detroit will tell you the same thing. Their entire season will come down to that Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, pick and roll. And if those guys are good again, they could win 44, 45, 46 games and be somewhere in the middle of the East and be really solid. And if Reggie doesn't get back to what he was two years ago or close, or if Andre is disinterested, then or both, then they could win 36, 37 games again. And then you go into next offseason, you go, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to blow this up? Are we going to trade Andre? Are we going to trade Reds? Like, what are we going to do? Um, I, I don't really think that Stan is in any kind of jeopardy there. He's obviously got the, the dual title. Um, Jeff Bauer is a very good GM, I think, that, that's in charge there. I think if you look at Detroit's personnel moves, I think they've largely done a really good job. I and mean, I think they've made some great trades. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you, when you consider they've never had a pick higher than eighth with this whole core that they have, um, it's not like they've had the opportunity to get a top five talent to kind of be the centerpiece there. So it's a really interesting mix. I actually think they're going to be okay. I watched them last night. Reggie and Andre looked really good. Um, Reggie in particular in the second half looked good, which I thought was the most encouraging thing. Uh, Andre Drummond's free throws actually look very good now. Um, he, he looks like a light has gone on. I mean, he, his, he, he wasn't pinging them off the backboard anymore. They look like, you know, a, a normal free throw shooter shooting them. Um, so that was encouraging. So huh. I, I think they're I think they're low-key one of the more intriguing and fascinating teams in the league this season, just because, like you said, a lot of people are kind of assuming they're going to be terrible and because people are just kind of out on them after last year. And then does that mean Stan gets his, his, his president title stripped? Does that mean they clean house? Does that mean they trade everybody? Like, what are they going to do? Um, and, and So I, I am really curious to see how things play out. But I'm actually kind of bullish on them, and I, I think they're going to wind up being okay this season.
1: Wow. I, you know, definitely a forgotten team in the East, uh, as is everybody in the East who is not playing in Cleveland, apparently, or maybe yeah, I Boston. Mean,
0: I mean, I think you can. Yeah, I think you can argue they're one of the most irrelevant teams in the league coming into the season. Like who is talking about the Pistons? Yeah. Nobody. Right. Like yeah. them, the Magic, the Pacers. Like some teams are complete dysfunctional train wrecks like the Knicks. Right. Or the Bulls. There's then there's teams like the Nets and the Hawks that are trying to rebuild. But then, you know, like those other teams, like they're just kind of like, well, who are they? Well, they're they're just kind of there. Yeah. Um, And the Pistons, the Pistons kind of fall into that that category.
1: You know, speaking of the Bulls for a second, because, you know, I haven't been in my timeline as much in the last few days busy working. But, you know, the the whole (laughs) thing came up and I I don't know, is is it completely mysterious still? Or or do you have any information that you can break breaking news on B-Ball Breakdown for us uh, (laughs) that no one else knows about that? What happened with that?
0: Well, I mean, it's been pretty well discussed, so I don't know if I have any inside information that nobody knows about. But, um, (laughs) but I mean, look, these were two guys who have had issues for a while who were getting into it in practice. And, I mean, you've been in plenty of practices. Guys get into it at practice. It's just kind of the way all sports work. And I think this just happened to be one of those situations where guys got into it and it just so happened to go a step too far. And, you know, Bobby Portis takes a swing at Miritich and catches him in the right spot. And then it's, you know, from all indications, it's a two-hit fight. You know, guy hit, his hand hits his face, and his face hits the floor. And he obviously suffers some unfortunate injuries and is going to be out for a couple of months. And, you know, so I, it's, it's just a very bizarre situation because I think anybody who's been around sports knows that this kind of thing happens a lot. You know, like there's the legendary story of Michael Jordan taking a swing and popping Steve Kerr in the face at a practice once. Yeah. Uh, But the difference was Steve Kerr didn't break a bunch of bones in his face and be out for two months, you know, whereas Bobby Portis did that to Mirakic. So um, it's obviously a very bizarre situation. And for a Bulls team that has had a rough few months and is certainly looking at being, in my opinion, a dreadful team this season, uh, that was not... Uh, that was not the way they wanted to enter the season having an incident like that at
1: when you say that they had a like a history I suppose i I was unaware of that what what is the beef is this the same position they're competing for playing time like what's that uh, about yeah
0: i don't i don't I don't know I don't know if it was public before like the last couple of days but they've just <laughs> i think they have just like they've just been battling for weeks now at camp and I, uh. I think just some had, some friction had built up but, you know they're fighting for playing time they're playing against each other every day. I, I think it was just kind of one of those. One right. of those things. Not that, like, they had years-long beef or anything. Okay. Uh, I think it was just a, a frustration. You know, just, you just playing against the same guy every day. It's training camp, preseason. Like, stuff It just built up. And, like I said, obviously, it, you know, manifests itself in an unfortunate way for, uh, for everybody involved.
1: Right. Because I feel like a lot of times coaches would say, oh, this is great. They're really competing and they're really getting into it. But... You know, it is a fine line. Uh, and I imagine, like, football is probably the worst of that. There must be fights every th- half an hour in a football practice, I Oh, yeah.
0: When you, when you, when I used to, co- I've covered the NFL in the past, and so when you cover training cap at the NFL, there's a, at least a fight a day. Yeah. And, you know, and they're like, and it's like, yeah, like, you guys grab each other for a minute, and then there's like a big pile. It's like, all right, just stop. You know, it's like that, and that's what happens in the NBA, too, or in basketball. Like, guys will get into it and practice and, you know, there'll be some yelling and you separate them for a minute and then you kind of go on with your day, right? This just happened to be a situation that got a step farther than that. And obviously the uh, the ramifications of that are going to be felt for some time now.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, you know, let's move over to um, the Warriors for a second because they dropped their first game. Uh, I, I suspect you had a yes. chance to see that. Um, I did. what are your thoughts about that? And, you know, I mean, I, I, are we going to all get on the Kerr, uh, the um, you know, bandwagon of of the weird lineups that he keeps throwing out there what what's motivating him to do that
0: uh well i mean no i i'm not going to get on any bandwagon other than the bandwagon of uh the warriors barely lost to an awesome team uh and gave up a lead in doing so when one of their best players got hurt in the game uh another key rotation player didn't play in the game and they were all out of shape so ah. I think they're going to be I think they're going to be just fine. I think Steve Kerr was playing weird rotations because his guys are out of gas and out of shape because they haven't really practiced in a month. Uh, they went to China and practiced twice. They came back and didn't basically practice for two days. Uh, uh-huh. They took one day off. The next day they came in. They're like, well, we can't even do anything today. Our guys are worthless. So um, you know I, I think they're in a situation where they don't care about the regular season at all. And even still, you look at how that game went. They were the better team for the majority of the game, anyway. And you know, just kind of let it slip late. And that was with you know having conditioning issues and still trying to figure out rotations and still trying to get guys into the right conditioning. So
1: yeah, and I, Steph Curry. I don't really
0: take anything. Yeah, like Steph was in
1: foul to trouble too, and yeah, it was. Uh, you're right. You know what? Right, it, yes, right. Yeah.
0: Steph was in foul trouble, and that that screwed the rotation up too. I mean, look, last year they lost to the Spurs by. To 40 points at home in the opener, mm-hmm. and people were saying, "Oh, Steph's going to leave, and Kevin's going to leave, and this isn't <laughs> going to work, and it's going to be." And they what they won? I think they went five and four in their first nine games, or five and three, or something, and then they won 67 games. Mm-hmm. So, I I think that this season is going to go in virtually the same manner, where maybe there's a little bit of a sl- a sluggish start, but. They've they have twelve guys back. The three guys that are new are all better than the guys they replaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're light. They're you know to use a Joe Jacob phrase. They're light years ahead of everybody else. And <laughs> I, I just think that I just think that uh, if they stay healthy, I just, I think they're going to waltz to another championship. So yeah. no, I'm not. I'm certainly not sounding any alarm bells about one close loss to maybe the second best team in the
1: league. Sure, sure. And, and by the way, no question. Like in the middle of that game, while, when they had that big lead, I was I was thinking, you know what, they could win. They could win 75 games if they really wanted to do it. Like, that's how good and they, they still, feel. And
0: they still can. Even yeah. though they they screwed that game up, they still can if they decide they want to. I'm sure yeah. they won't, but yeah. they could.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: they're that much better than everybody else. It's scary.
1: It is It is scary. And you know what? Uh, it, it, would you consider this a team? I know they signed KD, but for and then I know they traded for Iggy, but, like, you know, they kind of did this for the draft with Curry and Clay and Draymond. Is, is this what, you know, Michael Jordan's complaining about when they're talking about super teams? Because it feels like a lot of it was, you know, grassroots built.
0: I mean, I think Michael Jordan was just being grumpy, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> okay. um, I mean, you know, I mean, look, I, 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 I've i said this. I was talking to Michael Wilbon about this the other day at the game. I, if, if Michael Jordan could have gone and teamed up with Charles Barkley and, and Mike and Patrick Ewing in 1991, or 1990 before he won anything. Uh, Do you think he would have done that? I think he would have done that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, the guys today have opportunities to do things that guys back then did not. Uh, The contract situations are far different. Guys have far more ability to be in charge of their own destiny than they did back then, in part because of guys like Michael and what they did for the sport in terms of elevating it to another level financially. But, um, yeah, I just think that, it's you know, he can be grumpy and say, yeah, back in my day – guys wouldn't team up but guys also didn't have the chance to really team up before mm-hmm. um you know and and to your point I mean the Warriors signing Durant to give them another version of Shaq and Kobe who actually get along I mean you know the war the is that you know, how much different is that than the uh the Lakers drafting Kobe and signing Shaq as a free agent kind of being the, Jerry West, being a genius and being able to kind of circumvent, not circumvent the cap rules, but like figure out the, the salary cap ahead of everybody else. Right. right. Like, is that, is that like, the, the, is, what's the real difference there? You know, it just so happened that uh, they came at different eras, but it's still, or they were with the heat, kind of making everything work to get LeBron Wade and Chris Bosh there. Like mm-hmm. it's all the same stuff. Like if you manage your team properly, whether it's drafting guys or signing guys or trading for guys, you can, you know, you've got a chance to maybe contend for a title. So, right, I can understand why people are frustrated by the Warriors being so good and having the, you know, everything kind of fall into place with the cap and the cap spike and um, and Steph being hurt early. So like oh, they're they got very lucky, but you have to be lucky to be good. And you know, at some point, you just have to kind of sit back and go, all right, well, this is the way it is now for a while. And you know, I yeah. I don't think the NBA has ever been in a better place. Personally, yeah. so I think, you know, for people, people people might want to be frustrated about how good Golden State is, but there's a hell of a lot of fun teams to watch. And even if Golden State is the best team for a couple of years, I, I, don't, I don't see the interest in the NBA going away anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Warriors, they're, they're so light years ahead of everybody else that they, they really understood that they needed to overcome a 3-1 deficit against the Thunder, then blow a 3-1 lead, <laughs> lose a championship, right. in, the, in the same year where the salary cap jumped because the players wouldn't take smoothing, I mean, wow, that right. is light years ahead.
0: Right, right, <laughs> so, right. right. So. It took so many, it took 50 different things to fall into place properly for them yeah. to land Kevin Durant, you know? So, like, sometimes teams just get super lucky. And they got super lucky, and they already had a bunch of great players anyway. So now they've got maybe the most talented team ever. Yeah. And so you know they'll be they'll be incredible for a while until they let somebody go because they can't afford them or they they just get old. Right. Um, but you know it's like I said, I I all I see is more and more people paying attention to the NBA every day. So the people mm-hmm. who are bemoaning how this is ruining the league, I, I don't. Uh, I don't really agree with that sentiment.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, they're plugging in uh, McCaw and and Bell for Draymond and uh, Clay when they're ready to go, and then they keep going. So, uh, absolutely. Right. And I think it's also incumbent on the other teams; they have to get better. I mean, that's what it is. They the Warriors did one move, and you got to do your move to get better. And uh, yeah, we'll have to kind of see it. So, um, well, and, I, and I was yeah. what
0: made me happy about this summer is you saw a lot of teams taking swings. Like there were a lot of people saying, "Oh yeah, teams should just tank and trade guys and try to lose and um, I, I give all these teams credit, Houston, Oklahoma city, Minnesota. I uh, like w- great Boston, like go for it, make a big move, like try to get better. Who knows? Like if Kevin Durant, if I was his Kevin Durant, uh, one <laughs> inch higher on his leg last year, his season's over, yep. you know, like, and I'm, I'm not obviously like trying to like, say it'd be great for the league if there's an injury for the Warriors, but like, look what happened with Gordon Hayward, right? Like, it's not like. Crazy things can happen. Guys can get hurt. Like, there's there's no reason to just cede the championship and say, oh, the, well, Golden State, they're going to win seventy five games. Like, why do, why should we even try? Well, right. because like crazy things happen. So you should like put yourself in the best position and then let the chips fall where they may, and maybe it'll work out. I mean, nobody thought the Mavericks were going to beat the Heat in two thousand eleven, and and you know everything fell right and they won. Nobody even thought, like you said, you mentioned the Cavs. Nobody thought the Cavs are coming back from three one down, even when Draymond got suspended. But, you know, things started things started to fall into place. They had a great three games and they won a championship. So um yeah, I I give I, I'm really happy that teams didn't just kind of like sit and pout and say, Well, we don't have a chance. Let's just, you know, keep our powder dry and wait until the Warriors get bored. Um yeah, I think that made for obviously made for a crazy summer and I, I think it's gonna make for a really great season.
1: For sure, and I think this conversation is made for a really great podcast coming on the show. So I, I can't, <laughs> I can't thank you know, for coming on and breaking that down for us. Great stuff. Um, what, what are we looking forward to for your next article?
0: Uh, well, the, if this is coming out Friday morning. I'll have a, a big column up on 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 the Greek freak. I talked to honest for a long time today about uh, you know whether he can win MVP this year or if you know if he's ready to kind of. Chase that kind of expectation, which he says he is. Um, you know, and Jason Kidd, his coach, said that was a very fair and reasonable expectation for people to have, that he could be the MVP of the league. So um, all of that will be at Cavs-Bucks uh, Friday night. It'll be at Spurs Bowl Saturday. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff. I mean, I got a lot of stuff in the hopper ready for to come out next week. I mean, it's just a it's that time of year, you know. We're finally into games. There's a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, the Gordon Hayward thing threw everything up in the air. But – uh, I'm just really excited to get a chance to finally watch some meaningful basketball, again. It's going uh, to be a lot of fun.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, travel safe, please, and write well. And uh, check him out <laughs> over at Tim Bontemps um, at the Washington Post. And um, don't forget, sports fans, at b-ball breakdown, not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Tim? I'm always in, Coach. Nick. Always in.